Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money Your Life podcast, episode 180 of the podcast. We're diving into the days, the weeks, personal finance news, business news, and current events. Before we get into the episode, make sure you like, subscribe, five-star rate and review wherever you are listening to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, which some people actually do watch on YouTube, <laughs> I don't stream, I actually recorded earlier, but um, I may get into streaming it actually. Someone brought that up. I think that's interesting to think about streaming, even if there's few people that watch it. Make sure you hit the notification bell on YouTube so you know when a new episode drops. Let's dive right into this week's episode, which we're going to dive into a couple things. But the main thing we want to start with is, of course, our market update and what is going on in the market um, so far. So if we look at it, um, past week has been rather kind to... Um, um, we're about a little bit up, 1% up on the market um, as so far. There was a dip, and that was because of the Fed meeting. We talked about that. Um, and they said they still have a lot to do with inflation. But new inflation numbers came out. Yes, folks, new inflation numbers have come out. So let's dig into it. So inflation did, uh, at the headline number, slow more than expected in June. So the consumer price index pretty much showed an annual an overall increased an annual 3% down from 4% down from 4% in May. So if you look at it the 3% number was that headline number. If you look at core CPI though, the core index, the core PI strips out food and energy prices. Um it also cooled but it was still 4.8% um after it was 5.3% in May. So the core core number is still a bit higher. Why? Because the big thing that's bringing down inflation right now is just pretty much gas prices. Uh fuel prices are the thing that's really been down year over year. If you remember what fuel prices were what a year or two ago to where they are now, it's not even close. That's the main thing dragging the index down. If you look at food, shelter, um those things are still uh, year over year and month over month, they're still rising um, as far as the, the num inflation number. So um, that's one thing to to really take in mind. If you look at other things that are kind of dropping, um, airline fares, um, um, and if you look at also, I think it was also like car prices as well. But the main thing here is to look at it, food away from home, food at home, still, still really, really hot. Um, as the core index uh, showed that it was still still pretty hot. And that just means that the Fed is going to have to, one, it's going to be one or two things that happen. One, the Fed will either say, all right, we've done a great job of inflation, one or two more rate hikes, and then we're done. Or they'll say, we still haven't done enough. And the core number is still too high, and people are still being hurt at, at restaurants, at um, shut at their homes, for as far as prices being hurt, meaning the price is too high for some people. Then they'll have to continue raising rates and, and trying to bring inflation down and try to slow down the red hot economy. So it's still a very, it's one side or the other, and it's to be seen and there's more information to be seen yet. So that's us waiting it out is going to be the best, best tactic here. Um, because usually when you have inflation, you have to have a big increase in unemployment you have to have an economic recession to really slow things down and bring prices down. And so we still haven't seen that yet, but that's still to come um, for that. 
Um, so that's that's kind of the big market update. As you see, again, yesterday, the market cheered the economic news uh, on inflation and, and kind of had a rally. And, and the futures today point to some sort of rally as well. So again, it's, it's really going to be if the market continues to fight the Fed or what the Fed actually decides to do, because they haven't declared victory on inflation just yet. Um, and that they don't want inflation to linger more than it needs to. Um, so let's move on to some more news updates. There was a little bit in the news um, that I want to touch on. Have you all heard this story about people using, you know, these crazy longevity longevity tactics to live longer? So a lot of wealthy people are starting to go to clinics or using different tactics. They're swapping blood with, you know, there's a guy that was a story of a guy who sold the company for lots of money, but he's swapping blood with his teenager and his dad and all this different stuff to like live longer, to last longer, biohacking. A lot of people are using looking into it because it makes sense. If your life is good, why would you want to just stay around um, for, you know, the normal, what is it, 70 years, 80 years? You'd want to stay longer and you want to be in like relatively decent shape. Your body hasn't deteriorated because you have that one life and your life has actually been really, really good. You want to be around longer. So a lot of people are going to these clinics that, you know, some of these clinics charge up to hundred K a year to provide deep out of, out of deep, out of um, pocket treatments, testosterone injections, plasma transfusions, hair rejuvenation, and stem cell therapies. Uh, so yeah, people are really digging into it. Um, one study of people age 50 plus suggests that the most important factor in predicting lifespan is wealth. 100% would agree with that. The affluent live longer and have eight to nine more healthy years than the poorest people. So you're saying if you have deep pockets, you're able to use different things to take, maintain your health, treatment, workout, exercise. A lot of these now celebrities are taking this diabetes drug to lose weight. Obviously, you've heard of Ozempic and different things of that nature. Um, but people that they're trying to, everyone is looking for ways to keep a, a longevity around and keep living the life um, that they want to live, that they enjoy. Um, the next story that I thought was interesting, it's horrible. Again, another bank got caught. Bank of America must pay customers $100 million after regulators said the bank illegally charged their clients fines with health credit card signup rewards and secretly open accounts. This is the same, it's like Wells Fargo 2.0 from a few years back when Wells Fargo got caught opening up client accounts that were fake under fake names and different things of that nature or opening up client accounts under real names, but the client had no privy to it. Um, and doing a bunch of shady stuff. Same thing here with Bank of America. Um, they're going to pay $100 million after the regulators found that they were doing similar things. I, I, they got to look into other banks. Are other banks doing this? These big banks had these aggressive, um, you know, low-tier sales goals for checking and savings accounts or whatever. Um, and to meet those for these workers, they have to literally just make up stuff. A lot of times they're making up stuff, it looks like, which is against the regulation and laws. So glad they had to pay up. Another interesting story that was the news. Sarah Silverman, who is like an actress, comedian, um, she's suing OpenAI, which is the proprietor of ChatGPT and Meta. And she's saying that they infringe on her copyrights of her book because the ChatGPT um, program language model was pulling, um, um, illegally pulling from her book experts and, you know, and, and spitting out answers to people that would, you know, look for answers in the ChatGPT. So the lawsuit claims um, that summaries of the of her work 
that ChatGPT churned out when it was prompted, as well as documenting trails suggesting that it was trained on a shadow library site called The Pile. Interesting. So uh, I think it's a class. This is a class. It might be a class action lawsuit that she's leading and being the front, front face for. But yeah, this is going to be a thing. I think we talked about last time. A lot of data for these language models, for these artificial intelligent um, um, tools, are being scraped from the internet. They use our data. If you have a whole bunch of data from a, a large amount of people, that's valuable, right? Like we talked about last time. Your one piece of information probably isn't that valuable, but the the, the congruent the ability to have a whole bunch of collectible of data um, and, and train a computer to be able to use that data incredibly efficiently more than any human brain could times a million, um, that's that's very valuable. And so scraping of this data, meaning these language models, scraping the data from the internet, from social media companies, from um, books is is obviously going to be a, um, a something that's going to be contested in courts for a while because that's data that someone has to pay for. Your data does have a value and it's in it when it's compiled with other people. And that's something that companies pay a lot of money for. So is it right that um, these language models are scraping it and taking it for the use? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, so that's something to, to watch out for. Whoa, that's some interesting news. Goldman Sachs is that India's economy will surpass the U.S.'s by 2075. Interesting. Hopefully that hasn't happened, but that's that's quite interesting to see. Um, more news. We did talk about inflation already. Um, I did see another story, interesting one. The FDA has approved its first U- U.S. over-the-counter birth control pill. So over-the-counter pill, um, the Food and Drug Administration said Thursday approved, said on Thursday that it approved a birth control pill to be sold without a prescription for the first time in the United States. This is a milestone that could significantly expand access to contraception. The medication is called O-Pill. It will become the first, the most effective birth control method available over the counter. Um, the pills manufacturer is Perego Company. It's based in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and it said it will be available in stores online in 2024. They don't know how much it's going to cost just yet. But um, that's what I make news. It's going to be available for, again, really ex- access to to birth control um, and certain of those things is definitely, of course, needed for family planning. And so that's going to be huge for, for people that need that um, down the line. So that's a huge, 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 huge news. Um, and we talked about the market um, that really people are really looking at it now very, very optimistic um, out of a soft landing. Remember, the scenario of a soft landing is really, really hard to get, meaning the Fed slows down the economy, but not gives it, sends it to a grinding halt. That soft landing thing was really, really something that we never thought we could see. And it's, it's still not um, the highest probability, but it's, there's something there. Um, There's something there. So folks keep an eye on that. I like this story. Shopify is now putting a price tag on meetings. When I worked in corporate, obviously I don't anymore. Um, there was so much time. And I know, of course, people that do, if you're listening to this and you do, you know there's a lot of time wasted spent on useless meetings because people just like to talk just to talk. Um, when a text email could do, I'm a proponent of don't text it, don't call me, text me. Um, unless you set up a call with me, you can't just ring me up. I ain't gonna answer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, now Shopify is saying. They're taking a they're taking a war against meetings um, with a new cost calculator. So this is an internal tool. 
Um, it uses compensation data, meeting length, and attendee count to calculate the price of meetings, which can run as high as 1600 for a 30-minute call. The chief operating officer, Kaz, said the calculator is meant to remind workers of the value of their time and boost productivity, um, though some experts said that it's a superficial intervention. I like it. Um, if you looked at, if you actually saw like the calendar invite, there was like a screenshot of it. It just showed like at the bottom of the meeting, this meeting costs X amount. And of course it keeps people cognizant of the fact that you don't need to just have a call or run a meeting when an email or text you. That's all those things are invented. So you don't have to bug someone, right? When they're busy doing other stuff, don't try to bug someone. Don't ring them up without having a call. Don't try to have a meeting or having a meeting set. Don't have a meeting when you know you don't need to because you're wasting productivity that could be spent doing a bunch, a bunch of other things. So I think it's an interesting idea. We'll see if other companies adopt it. I think they will because there is a lot, a lot of money wasted on meetings, ladies and gentlemen. And you know it. You and I know it. Um, last story, current news, Apple is debuting. It's low-key. Did they use that word or someone else? The the. <laughs> the Reporters use that low-key iOS 17 beta. So Apple released a beta version of iOS 17 ahead of the official rollout this fall. They haven't done the beta version before. I don't, they usually just roll it out, but now they're doing some beta version, which I don't even know how you can get access to. But it has some cool new features, including FaceTime video calls or FaceTime video voicemails, a screen distance detector that tells users when their phone is too close to their faces. I like that. Um screen time and i'm paying attention to that stuff that stuff is hard on the eyes um and a bunch of other features so i'm curious how you get access to the beta version so if someone out there knows let me know we know we like to update our um iphones so i like to i want to do a new case study not a round table today not a personal finance question of the week but people always think or talk about like you always hear about someone that's a billionaire whatever, someone that has X amount of money, but you don't really know how they actually got to those areas, right? People think it's day trading or something of that nature. They got lucky. Nine, nine, 99, I'm, oh wait, 100% of the time, it's not that way, right? Um, so I want to do a case study on how they got rich. So this is a case study on showing how someone actually did get rich because I read their story. I either heard on a podcast or read it um, and understand what moves they make what moves they made to get rich. So now we can use a case study, meaning study this certain individual's path for those people that might be motivation and inspirational, might be helpful um, to actually know. So I don't know if any of you all heard about this, but Mike Rubin, billionaire, he threw a party in the Hamptons uh, that I didn't get an invite to, unfortunately, <laughs> um, over July 4th weekend. But people have been probably seeing him a lot or hearing about him a lot. He didn't just pop up. He's been kind of obviously grinding and making money and, and crushing in the business world for a while. Heard him on a podcast many, many, a couple of years ago or something of that nature. Um, but I was super, it was a super interesting story of his, of how he got rich. And there's a lot more nuance, a lot more stuff in it. But the high levels I wanted to go over with people. Um, grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and he first, when he was really, really young, um, started... Um, a ski tuning shop in his parents' basement when he was 12 years old. He, two years later, using 2,500 in bar misfit gifts as seed capital, um, and a lease signed by his father, he opened up a ski shop. So it was 14, folks, 14, when he opened up a ski shop. At 16, there was no, there was no snow. The winter was bad. So he saw 
his sales pretty much diminishing and he was in a lot of debt. He talked about it on this podcast. He had creditors, people suing him. They didn't even know that he was like 16 years old and they were like suing him because he owed them a lot of money because um, he had creditors um, and the ski shop wasn't doing well because there was no stone. So he actually ended up dropping out of college um, and buying overstock equipment at a deep discount. So buying some equipment at a decent discount, and then he was just selling it and flipping it and did really well with his overstock um, sales flip. Uh, and he sold his ski shops. Um, and then he founded an athletic company, closeout company called KPR Sports. So he one did really well with this um, KPR Sports, um, and this was in 1993 when he turned 21. His KPR Sports reached one million in annual sales. By 1995, they've been doing 50 million in sales, so he 50x his business. Um, and if you think about his skills, I think one of them is like really, really good at sales. He understands business. He understands sales, the relationship building, and selling. That's that's you know one thing he's really, really strong at. Um, he then purchased 40% of the women's athletic, athletic shoe company manufacturer. Um, and he started an e-commerce brand called GSI commerce, um, in 1998. And he sold that company to eBay for 2.4 billion. And he owned enough to own a percentage that reaped him $150 million windfall. Um, and he bought back some of that business and then he bought a fanatics, which is the company he's growing now and has raised about $300 million for. Um, but you know, it was a bunch of steps. And if you actually listen to the podcast, Rizani explained it, how he almost went broke because he was margin called from the, from a bank. Um, and he had to like, was making calls. The big thing I got from him when I was listening to it is like his perseverance was unmatched his, his ability to be positive, even if things were dire for him, was unmatched. And his ability to sell and build relationships. You look at this Hamptons party that happened, the people that were in the room, you don't typically always see in the room be together because they're so, they're giants in their own right. Like you got Beyonce, Jay-Z, you have what, Kim Kardashian, or all these different people that are in his house, $50 million house in the Hamptons, partying it up because he had the relationship equity to get that done. So his big thing now is Fanatics, which is a they're going to have a, they're really a, a collectibles, sports mobility, collectibles business. Um, he also owns um, some other jersey and apparel businesses, but Fanatics also is going to have a gambling arm. They announced it. So he divested his minority stake in um, the 76ers and the other Philly sports teams. Um, so it's really, he's just been a serial entrepreneur selling businesses. He also sold ShopRunner to FedEx. I didn't even know that. He's buying, building, operating, and selling businesses um, in a crazy way. And if you know any entrepreneur, you know that they don't just have one, usually just have one business or one stream. They have multiple because they understand how to operate in different arenas and use that skill, translate that skill over to different arenas. So this case study is interesting. I think you're going to hear a more, lot more about him. He's created a bunch of companies, and right now he's um you know fanatics is the big big thing he's creating of course the social ventures and social you know pursuits to help other folks that he's doing but i thought it was an interesting case study to really watch and see how people are building their wealth um of course it's not through you'll rarely see anyone do it through a w-2 meaning you know work at a job unless you're a ceo or c-suite of a fortune 500 company you rarely see people do it through a w-2 it's through 
building and operating, you know, businesses, solopreneur businesses, anything really investing um, correctly. So interesting case study for those that want to learn more, go ahead and research more. But we'll try to do that every once in a while when I find interesting, interesting people to profile for that. And maybe one day we'll have them on the show. Um, Folks, this has been a good, good episode this week. Make sure you share this with your family and friends and we'll talk next week.